Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and lab. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with. And laugh, I think we have to have some fun along the way, too. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Thanks for joining us today. Remember, if you have any commercial real estate questions or if you have comments about the show, we do appreciate hearing from you. Our phone number is 888-612-SHOW. Our email is info at CREshow.com. You can also connect with us through LinkedIn, Twitter, or Google+. <laughs> you can find them off the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're going to focus on zoning for dollars. That's what I like to call it. <laughs> you know, U.S. commercial real estate is really on sale right now, and you know, we're having a blue light special on land, so you know, head down to aisle nine, right, and get your deal. Uh, many of the cash-strapped local governments are more willing than ever to approve new projects. If you add the lack of new construction over the last four years, you know, what we have is an incredible time to acquire properties and rezone them. You know, fortunes have been made rezoning properties over the years, and today we're going to talk with some famous zoning attorneys and land use attorneys on best practices and some winning strategies to create value by rezoning properties. Let's meet our guest. Please welcome Doug Dillard and Seth Wiseman. They're both with the law firm Wiseman, Nowak, Curry, and Wilco, which has 16 offices throughout Georgia and Florida. Seth Weissman represents developers, builders, lenders, corporate institutional property owners, and real estate brokers with respect to their real estate and legal needs. In addition to his law degree, Seth has a master's degree in city and regional planning and is a professor of city planning at Georgia Tech. Seth is also general counsel for the Georgia Association of Realtors. Seth, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you very much, Michael. Also, please welcome Doug Dillard. Dillard leads the firm's zoning, land use, intimate domain, and governmental relations sections. Doug has lectured, written, and trained on zoning matters, and has been practicing zoning law for over 30 years. Doug is very well known in the industry as one of the region's most accomplished zoning attorneys. Doug, welcome to the show. Good day, Michael. Well, guys, thanks for being here. We appreciate you sharing uh, some of your wisdom and experience uh, with our listeners around the country. And yeah, my first question is, uh, is it a good time? I mean, with the slowdown in development over the last several years and, and the counties and cities looking for revenue, uh, Seth, is it a good time to rezone properties? Well, you know, as a zoning lawyer, it is always a good time from <laughs> our perspective to seek a rezoning. Right. But um, I, I actually think now is a better time than it's been in a long time to try to get rezonings because frankly, governments have the we're open for business sign out. They have gone for four years in many cases, jurisdictions that used to have hundreds of cases on every docket now have one or two zoning cases and it's got local governments running scared. So. While it does not mean that governments are going to approve every zoning request, on cases that are close calls, they frankly are probably more likely to approve a zoning on a close call than they would have four years ago. And Doug, is that what you're seeing? Is there a little more relaxing of the requirements right now to bring in some revenues? Well, somewhat. You know, the, the big problem is that local governments have let a lot of their staff go. Mm. Uh, so when you, you file a zoning application today, you've got less staff to look at it. You would think that would make it a lot easier. Right. Unfortunately, they don't have a lot to do, so they can really they, look they at really it. really look at it. I've got a subdivision yeah. plat right now. It's been redlined eight times. Yeah. It's taken, uh, it's taken three months 
uh, when it should have taken three days. So, so you've got a mix of that. In some jurisdictions, they have relaxed the the rules a little bit because they do want they do want to work. But uh, the, on the other hand, uh, you've got uh, planners that are staff that are trying to justify their existence and not <laughs> get fired. So that sometimes they make it a little tough. Right. So I guess it depends on where you are. I know we've got some land uh, in some areas around the southeast where. Yeah, uh, we go to the city, we go to the county, and they'll say, "Look, we'll let you do anything here. <laughs> we just want you to come here and build and and bring some jobs." Well, the elected officials are saying that. You know, yeah. come on in. We need the money. We need the money. We need the economy and all yeah. that. And you get to the staff level, and they say, "Wait a minute, this is a mixed use. Our zoning ordinance doesn't allow for that." You know, right. you got to start changing things. Right. Well, let's talk about the difference between a say a special use permit, a variance, and and a rezoning. Uh, what should we know there? Well, a variance basically uh, deals with front, rear, side yard setbacks and that kind of thing, height limitations, uh, correcting uh, non-conforming situations. Uh, a variance, you basically got to show a hardship. You've got to show financial difficulty and that kind of thing. So um, when, when, you, when you have a variance, the board is sitting in a quasi-judicial type of capacity versus a legislative capacity, which is uh, when they're sitting in a zoning or in a use permit. Use permit has certain standards uh, that you have to follow. If you meet if you meet those standards, then the discretion of the local government is limited, uh, and approval should be made fairly routinely if you are able to satisfy those standards. And what about the comprehensive development plan? How does that play into rezoning? Well, unfortunately, most jurisdictions don't use comprehensive planning and future land use maps as they should. Mm-hmm. Most of the use maps and comprehensive plan just reflect existing zoning patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly today with demographic trends and changes that we've got going on. Uh, comprehensive plans need to be more meaningful. In the more urban areas, you do find that they are uh, more meaningful and, and the local governments are more adhered to, to follow them. Some jurisdictions require that the zoning requests be consistent with the comprehensive plan mm-hmm. or future land use map. Uh, if, you've got a, if you've got a zoning application that's inconsistent with the comp plan, then you've got to change the comp plan and then get it zoned. So that makes it uh, a lot more difficult. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously a comprehensive plan, that's a statement of what is the future land use intended to be or likely to be um, in that jurisdiction, looking down the road 10 years. Mm-hmm. So if you've got single family home, but the comprehensive plan shows that property ultimately being multifamily, well, that's some indication, obviously, that the government's going to be sympathetic to a rezoning request if you then buy that property and try to get it rezoned to a multifamily use. And one of the problems we run into is that governments are not proactive, they're reactive. Mm-hmm. And they're not looking down the road, as Seth says, 10 years down the road. Uh, you come in with a zoning, you know, and you're, you're reflecting a market that that local government hasn't anticipated, uh, the comp plan's not consistent with your request. Let's say you got a high-rise mixed-use deal and the comprehensive plan doesn't address it. It talks about protecting existing neighborhoods. Right. Uh, that's a pretty negative statement. you got a real problem on, zoning app, on your zoning app. Right. Well, let's talk about the, when you're looking at a piece of property. How do you know if you can rezone it? Let's say you've determined the highest and best use. Uh, you know rezoning is required. What are some ways to get an initial indication of the chances that you might be able to rezone it? Well, I mean, it's pretty pretty elementary that you look at the location of the property, whether the surrounding and nearby uses of, of properties that are adjacent and in, in close proximity to the existing property. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other standard is uh, to what extent does the existing zoning protect the health, public health, safety, and welfare? You know, 
Um, zoning was not recognized for a long time after we adopted the Constitution. Matter of fact, zoning law has been around less than 100 years. Um, and the reason for that is that, that we've got the constitutional right to use our property for any lawful purpose. Local government can regulate that only if it has some relation to the protection of the public health, safety, and welfare. So there's got to be some relationship to, to the limitation that the ordinance puts on your right to otherwise use your property as you choose. Uh, so the surrounding uses, uh, what kind of damages are created as a result of the current imposition of the zoning on your property, the length of time it's been vacant as currently zoned in light of the, uh, light of the growth around the property, uh, what kind of impacts do you have on the infrastructure, road, street, schools, and, and sewer, and that kind of thing? Okay. Yeah, but, you know, just, just to add one thought, because I think Doug's talking legally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the fact of the matter is you go to most governmental jurisdictions, and the attitude tends to be you're in my jurisdiction, and if you want to develop your land, it's going to be on my terms. Mm-hmm. And... From my perspective, at least, you have got to sit and talk with the local planners. You have got to sit and talk to the the public officials that are ultimately going to decide the case. And you have got to talk to all the neighborhood groups. Those are the three key stakeholders. And at the end of the day, that is the best way to take, you know, take uh, someone's temperature to figure out, is this a zoning that has a prayer? Right. And then if you talk to planning and zoning and you, you don't think it has a prayer, but you think, well, what this doesn't seem right. This property should be able to be zoned. Maybe there's a precedent set or something. Is it that at that point, maybe you could call a zoning attorney in the area like yourself and maybe get an idea from you of, of what's been going on in that market and, 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 and what do you think the chances would be of a successful zoning? Well, that's what we do. I mean, you don't you don't make money going to court. You make money being able to go to court. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, we have clients that come to us and, and ask us to do due diligence. We do exactly what Seth says. We, we evaluate the uh, opposition, the neighborhood, the market. We talk to local elected officials and planners uh, relative to what how we feel like uh, the success or failure might be. Uh, and then we evaluate whether or not at the end of the day, assuming we get denied, whether or not we've got a, 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 an action in court. Okay. Yeah, and, and you know, sometimes what happens is someone will go and talk to a planner. The planner doesn't know who they are, mm-hmm. and they won't necessarily talk straight to them. Right. So get a professional involved, and maybe you'll get the straight answer. All right. We're going to have to take a quick break. We'll get more on zoning for dollars. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. 
If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate related subjects, check out our show podcast. We just completed market update shows on every major property sector, and we produced a show on dealing with appraisal and property tax assessment issues. You can hear these shows while they're still available on iTunes and on the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're covering zoning for dollars. My guests are Seth Wiseman and Doug Dillard with Wiseman, Nowak, Curry, and Wilco. And Doug, I'd like to ask you about uh, some of the typical timelines and and the third-party reports that are required to rezone properties. Well, there's a public process that you always have to go through. Um, Zoning is a legislative act, and and by the local government must do it in a public meeting, and you've got to advertise. Uh, Most uh, jurisdictions require a minimum of 45 days, uh, at least one public hearing. The practical side of it is you you have a a time to file the application. You have a time for the staff to review it. You have a planning commission hearing. Sometimes you have neighborhood meetings and neighborhood planning units or satellite uh, government-type community organizations. Uh, then the then the local government during that process you can get deferred any number of time. The uh, the, the the process is designed for about a ninety day process. Unfortunately, particularly if you've got a complicated uh, application, it's I've had them take over a year. Yeah. So so it's it depends on the local jurisdiction. It depends on the complexity of the matter. It depends on the involvement of the local neighborhood. It depends on the staff planners, and also you've got experts that you've got to coordinate give the reports on traffic, environmental impact, uh, market analysis, values, and that kind of thing. And what other reports do you need? Do you not need a site plan, and do you need renderings of the building? What type of other things do well, you need? Well, if I'm just going to subdivide one lot, probably not. But if I'm going to do a subdivision or if I'm going to do a mixed use, you need a site plan, a conceptual site plan that would be made a condition of the zoning. You also need to have some renderings of what, what the project's going to look like. Visual applications are very important, particularly to neighbors and to planners and to those elected officials that will ultimately make uh, the final decision. Yeah, and without any doubt, people want to see what they're going to get. And frankly, they don't want to see it in a sketch. The prettier it is, the better your chances are. And how often do you need a full traffic study uh, on rezoning situations? Well, it it, uh, it depends on the size of the of the project. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for example, last night I had a thirteen uh, unit um, townhome development, mm-hmm. and we're talking about fifty five trips a day. But it comes out on a street where there's a subdivision that has one access onto this one street, and uh, and we've got a little traffic report for a thirteen unit townhome development. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, that's not required. It it would take. Some something of the nature where you were going to change the level of service based on the impact that that particular development might have on the area. That's interesting. I was dividing a seven-acre lot uh, up near Lake Lanier, a residential lot, to divide into two homes, and uh, I was caught off by surprise, went to the zoning meeting, and one of the neighbors showed up and said that because one more house was going to be there, uh, their children would die pulling out of their driveway. <laughs> They're unborn children. That they hadn't had yet. How do you handle? You, well, you have that. You have that kind of uh, unexpected uh, trivality and yeah. and overreaction. You know, um, and and it's basically when they're saying that they don't want your development. Right. They don't want that additional home. Right. Uh, and we, I, I refer to it as a caveman mentality. We get used to our environment, mm-hmm. and we don't want any change. Right. I'm like, uh, I wanted to ask her, well, look, you don't have children, so <laughs> how's yeah. that going to work? Yeah. Uh, well, how important yeah. to successful rezoning are precedents? For example, if the county's previously rezoned a certain number of units per acre or something like that, can that be used to create pressure for similar approval in the same county? 
Once again, using the uh, situation I had last night, uh, we've got a high-rise on one side of us that's got 35 units to the acre. We've got a cluster development on the other side of the street that's got 8 units to the acre, and we're asking for 13 units to the acre. So we, we're arguing that we've, we're providing transition into the single-family detached from a higher density. We're consistent with the comp plan recommendations, so so we're in in between, but absolutely uh, we're across the street from uh, from a, a huge uh, mall. So what what is around and what they have zoned in the past is very important to uh, to any zoning. Yeah, and, and in a legal sense, at least you're you know you're really talking about equal protection under the law because mm-hmm. you're you're simply asking for similarly situated properties to be treated equally. Right. Now, precedent's actually a two-way street because sometimes we as zoning lawyers get to use precedent to win a case. Neighborhood groups are often opposed to zonings, not so much because at least they say, we, we don't, it's not that this zoning matters to us that much, but you will have neighbors say, but if we allow you in, then the precedent will get established and we, we just can't make any concessions because once the walls breach, then there's going to be major changes in our neighborhood. I refer to it as the Trojan horse syndrome. <laughs> right. Well, that's interesting. And you talk about the neighborhoods and the opposition there. You know, how can you mitigate neighborhood opposition to a rezoning process? What are, what are some ways to, to help get well, that Well, you got to make my, our objective is to create a political environment that lets the elected official make the decision that we want them to make. And unfortunately, you are in a political arena when you're talking about zoning. It's not just about land use and the law. Mm-hmm. So, so the first step is to get in the neighborhood and make that application their application the way you want them to make it. So and go, that's the first step. So go sell them first. You got to go sell them. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we often say to applicants is that when you go and meet with a neighborhood, it's sometimes best not to have the detailed site plan, which then becomes something they shoot at. Sometimes it's better to go and talk to a neighborhood conceptually where you get them involved in helping to articulate issues and concerns that they have that you can then address and say, you told us about X, here's where we address that issue. We're working on a child care center right now, and we've not filed the application yet. We've got another month that we're going to be working with the neighborhood, and we've got meetings. Um, we sort of started with, a, with an idea, so we did take them a conceptual plan because we know what we need to meet, the number of children and that kind of thing. But we're very much in involving the neighborhood so that when we have pre-app applications and when we actually get into the zoning process, we eliminate some of the time that could cause deferrals because we've already met with the neighborhood. We've got their support when we file it. That, yeah. makes, that makes a lot of sense. And, and they, you know, ideally, you just, you should not be surprising them and you don't want them to surprise you. You should be transparent, lay your cards out on the table for them. The worst thing you can do in a zoning application is to put a zoning sign on the property (laughs) with no contact in the neighborhood. Yeah, mistake number one. The lid will come off really quick. (laughs) Mistake number one. Well, we're quick on the break here, but what are some of the misconceptions uh, that neighbors have regarding land planning? Well, they don't want any change. 
you know, we're satisfied. We we like it. We like getting in our car and driving 10 minutes to get a loaf of bread. You know, I don't want that store closer to me. I mean, they just don't want any change in the environment. When you look at a comprehensive plan, and the first first sentence in that comprehensive plan is protecting existing neighborhoods, you know you got a real problem. Right. Because they don't want any change. Yeah, so you don't, they... You know, we're not obviously we're not going to kill her unborn children. Right? So, that's right. That's right. How is that going to well, happen? We are the enemy in their mind. That's right. Well, that, that makes good sense to get them involved early on and, and get them to buy in. And, and so it's their rezoning, right, when you, when you get to that table. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a short break. We'll have more on zoning for dollars. If you appreciate the show, reach out and thank our sponsors. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like more great commercial real estate information, subscribe to the show blog at commercialrealestateshow.com and follow the show on Twitter at CRE Show and at Bull Realty. Today we're covering zoning for dollars. My guests are Seth Wiseman and Doug Dillard with Weisman, Nowak, Curry, and Wilco. And gentlemen, I'd like to ask you about the people that you need involved in a rezoning. Like we just talked about, it can can get emotional. You know, who should you use? Do you have to have an attorney? Do you have to have an architect? Uh, what kind of team do you need? Well, you don't have to have an attorney, although we would always recommend <laughs> yeah. that you have an attorney. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, you need permit. If it's not, if you don't own the property, you've got to have permission of the property owner to mm-hmm. file the application. But anybody can file it. A corporation, a partnership, an individual can file his own application. Okay. Yeah, but I think what you do need, frankly, is whoever is the presenter needs to be able to speak concisely. And frankly, it is not for the faint-hearted or the thin-skinned. We've had lots of zoning hearings in our day where people are un- unhappy with the things we're saying. They strongly disagree with us. Um, it, you need to have someone who is not going to get emotionally wrapped up in the case, but can present it in an even-handed, calm way and try to move the case forward. Because many times the opposition is emotional. Very. It is very personal. Yeah. And as advocates, uh, we stick to the issue. It's never a personal uh, situation for us. It's an objective evaluation of whether or not the zoning is uh, justified both legally and uh, and practically within the market. That's a good point. I think you have to have the right talent uh, and the right uh, person handling that or it could get emotional and, and just not work out. Well, if it's a big zone and you're going to have some emotions tied to it. Yeah. And, and as a broker, sometimes uh, we have had a buyer try to put a property under contract, contingent on rezoning, and we ask them who's going to handle the zoning, and they say, oh, well, we're going to do it. And, you know, they're already arguing with us about the contract, and we don't think they're going to do it. Is it a good practice in some cases for brokers or sellers 
uh, to require that, that, that real good zoning people are involved if they're going to top the property and give them permission to rezone it. Yes, you know, many times we, we, we assist in making the presentation. We evaluate. And uh, uh, sometimes uh, a lawyer coming to a neighborhood meeting it has a chilling effect. Okay, mm-hmm. um, so sometimes we'll recommend that that the client uh, go to those meetings with without us, but but when it gets to the actual public presentations and those kinds of things, then at that time uh, it's time for us to be brought on. We had a situation this week where the neighborhood has their lawyer, and I represented the applicant, and the neighborhood asked that they have a meeting without us mm-hmm. with either lawyer. Uh, and so I schooled uh, my client very carefully on what to say and what not to say. But <laughs> yeah. but uh, it meeting went very well and it was productive and and we're continuing to meet meetings now go forward with the lawyers present. Yeah, mm-hmm. but and, and you know one of the things that I think sellers need to think about when I am selling my property to someone subject to a rezoning, I am giving the buyer an opportunity to screw up the land use regulations pertaining to property. Hopefully they won't. Hopefully they will achieve the zoning they're trying to achieve. But if I'm the seller, I should have a keen interest in making sure that the buyer is not an amateur when they go through the zoning process, but that they have very skilled help because that's what's going to get the rezoning accomplished, and that is what is ultimately then going to allow me to sell my property to that buyer. In what ways can that seller protect themselves in the situation where maybe that buyer rezones that property contingent on a specific site plan, and then that buyer doesn't close? Is, is there any, you know, any ways that they might protect themselves there? Well, there's some jurisdictions that have reversion uh, clauses in them, but for the most part, Seller better be willing to accept the zoning in lieu of the closing um, because they uh, um, they will wind up with a piece of property that is zoned, let's say, to commercial. Uh, the taxes are going to go up. They're going to have a, a higher tax bill than they had the year before. So uh, they need to be aware that that's a possibility. And in some cases and uh, jurisdictions, if you, your rezoning does not go through, uh, you can't rezone it for a certain amount of time, right? So that could also be an issue. That's right. In some in in um, in some states, for example, you can't you, a six month is a minimum on any rezoning request. Okay, a lot of them are tied to a denial that you can't go back in. It does not affect an approval. Some jurisdictions say you can't submit it in either event uh, for a year or so. And then sometimes it's longer than a year, or it's your, yep. yeah. Sometimes uh, some jurisdictions I've seen I've seen a two year limitation. Yeah, so you might not be able to reason that again for two years. So you might want to try to have some indication if that's going to go through and not have a fail, and then you can't do anything for Better two years. Better be looking at withdrawing without prejudice or some sort of uh, withdrawal so that you don't get stuck with it. Right. Yeah, and, okay. and, you know, we've worked on cases where people have um, tried to withdraw, mm-hmm. and they can't. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a short break. We'll have more on Zoning for Dollars. I'm Michael Bull, and you're listening to the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. 
visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some great shows coming up for you, including a show next week on commercial lease issues. If your firm leases space or if you're in the industry, you want to catch this show. The following week, we'll talk to the leaders of the major commercial real estate associations about issues affecting their members and their outlook on the market. If you'd like a once-a-week email announcing the show topic, you're invited to sign up at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're covering zoning for dollars. My guests are Seth Wiseman and Doug Dillard with Wiseman, Nowak, Curry, and Wilco. And gentlemen, I'd like to talk about local politicians and the rezoning process. How important is it to involve the local politician and what tips do you have there? Well, you've got to look at uh, those uh, affected politicians. Um, City and counties mostly have wards or districts that they run in, so... Whatever district that the particular piece of property is in, you need to go visit with that elected official to see how they feel about what you're talking about. Yeah, so get them on your side. Well, at least they can do any number of things. You know, they're probably not going to commit initially, okay? Uh, but they'll they'll know uh, from their constituents who you should go meet with. You identify the leadership in the neighborhoods um, or the affected uh, surrounding properties. Uh, also, they can introduce you to staff if you don't already know staff, um, and they can help assist you in uh, your due diligence before you ever file the application. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Well, Doug, you and Seth have seen lots of rezoning transactions for, for many years and from a lot of perspectives, obviously from the side of the developer, but also from the perspective of the seller of the property. How can a seller be sure a buyer is being assertive in the zoning process? You know, what are some ways that you've seen work for a seller to gain some control or provide some incentives to cause a developer to be more diligent in the zoning process. I mean, I've seen sellers get top of property for a year or two, and the, the buyer never closes, uh, and they're wondering what happened. Yeah. Well, I think the answer to that one is it. you have got to put some time restrictions in the purchase and sale agreement mm-hmm. that gives protection to the seller. And frankly, both Doug and I have seen cases where buyers – have tied up a property subject to rezoning where it's gone up and back to the Supreme Court and the buyer is essentially controlling that property for four or five years. So if you're smart, what you're going to do is you're going to require that the zoning be filed even by a particular date so that you know that you're going to be on a particular calendar. And typically, a seller is going to build in some time frame to allow for adjournments and delays. But most sellers are going to say if the zoning is not accomplished by a certain date, that the seller has the right, not the obligation, but the right to pull the plug on the deal and to go ahead and terminate. Okay. So you could have some deliverables and time frames that these buyers agree to meet up front if they say they need a year. All right, what are you doing in that time frame, right? And what can you show me that you're actually making those time frames? Well, yeah. yeah. And the other thing is you've got to be concerned about it, particularly if you've got opposition, you get it approved, lawsuits from uh, neighbors. So let's say you get it approved, then you have a um, an adjacent property owner to file a lawsuit 
uh, the con- the contract has got to provide that um, that the zoning is in place and the time for all appeals, both on both sides, have expired. Yeah, and actually, mm-hmm. that's a real important point mm-hmm. because in a contract, you do not want to close until there is what we call final zoning. And final zoning is not when the government approves it. In Georgia, at least, it's 30 days later, which is when the neighbors lose their right to then go to court and file an appeal. So the appeal process is, is done. Then that, then you can close. Then you know. Right. Well, if you expect some opposition to your zoning, should you ask for a little more density or whatever it is you're asking for so you can pr- compromise if needed? Well, I mean, that's just uh, negotiating style. I mean, that's true in most anything. I mean, you ask if you're selling, you're going to ask for more, knowing that you'll come down. Um, you've got to temper it with reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was in Vancouver a few years ago, and they had a motto, density is our friend. Uh, but density is always the big the big elephant in the room, and you've got you've to judge that by, uh, by what, you, what is practical to put on the property and also what, you, what your bottom line is. Many times we negotiate fees based on the success of a particular project, and we say, all right, where's, where's your bottom line? Uh, and then we base our, our fee on the success that we then give based on that increase. So obviously we're going to try and get as much as we can that's practical to be permitted within that zoning classification and also meet the market needs, but at the same time we know where our bottom line is. That sounds like good yeah. planning. And, and, you know, neighborhood groups, politicians and planners, everybody has gotten much more sophisticated if you're asking for something ridiculous that no one would ever give you, you don't help yourself by saying, well, I'm going to ask for something ridiculous and then compromise. All you do is lose your credibility. Right. That makes sense. Well, what, in what situations should existing property owners consider having their property zone before putting it on the market? Should they ever do that? Well, there's pros and cons on that. I mean, you can, you can say, well, it's going to be worth more commercially, so I'm going to go get it zoned commercial, and then I'm going to put it on the market. The problem is, you go get it zoned commercial, you might have wasted that time because the commercial zoning that you have is doesn't fit the commercial customer or buyer that ultimately buys the property, and they've got to go through a modification, or they've got to add some, and they got to go back through the zoning process. So my advice is better to get a buyer with a, with a user and zone it based on what the needs of that user are. And because they also might uh, say, it's yeah, we'll give you the zoning, but you've got to use this site plan, right? And then you're kind of stuck with that unless you go back and get a variance on that. And speculative zoning is a bad term. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to have more on zoning for dollars after a quick break. If you appreciate the show, shoot us an email or a tweet. I'm Michael Ball, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com. Thank you. 
Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, I have something special for you. When do you feel the best about yourself? Well, when you're helping someone in need, right? Well, check out Andy's Army. A commercial agent's daughter experienced some serious brain injuries, and his daughter, their family, and others in the same position could use our help. The website is Andy's, A-N-D-E-E-S, and then Army.com, or give us a call at 888-612-SHOW to see how you can help. Well, today we're covering zoning for dollars. My guests are Seth Wiseman and Doug Dillard with Weisman, Nowak, Curry, and Wilco. Well, Doug, uh, one thing that you've talked about today is hopefully you get a zoning done and you don't go to court. But tell us about taking a zoning battle, zoning battle to court. When do you take it to court and what should you expect? Well, briefly, it's from a denial. You're not getting what you want or you don't get quite what you want and you think it's unconstitutional, whatever the local government did. So it's a constitutional battle it's a non-jury matter you try to it's a bench trial in front of a judge uh and it's about the constitution uh have the is the existing classification constitutional or not and that's the test and to do that most jurisdictions uh require a two-pronged test uh what is the economic value of the property as currently zoned what what are the damages of the property owner does it have reasonable economic value as currently zoned and on the other hand is there any compelling public interest to leave it in its current classification so that's the test. The burden is uh, clear and convincing evidence. It's a tremendous burden for a for a plaintiff, but in carrying that burden, uh, then the local government's got to come forward and then show that there's some protected public interest by leaving the property in its current zone uh, classification. Okay, and you've won some big uh, zoning battles throughout the years. How important is it if you're hiring uh, attorneys or help to to rezone a property to think about using counsel? that has been in court so the county or city sees you know what they brought an attorney that will take us to court if if they think it's unfair well we don't have to threaten a lawsuit they know we'll sue them (laughs) right (laughs) and 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 i think that's the kind of attorney you need to have you need to have somebody that knows his way around the courthouse uh that is familiar with zoning zoning is a very specialized area of the law it's not it's not a traditional type of uh of burden uh it's talking about constitutional issues and it's not a preponderance of the evidence. It's clear and convincing. It's a different test uh, that you have to do in in, uh, in court on a zoning case. Yeah, yeah and Seth, and let's talk about Well, the, if I could add one thing okay. real uh-huh. quick, you know, because sure. there's, there's one other critical point. Sometimes applicants will do the argument themselves, and then they'll come to see us asking us to take it to court. In Georgia and most other states, if you have not raised your constitutional objections at the zoning hearing, you do not have a right to go to court. Mm, okay. So the, the time to get the lawyer involved is Up not front. after you've lost. Yeah, you can't and, raise the constitutional issues for the first time on appeal to the, to the Superior Court. Okay, and we're short to the end of the show here, but what are some other quick tips uh, regarding zoning? Well, there's a lot of money to be made in rezonings. You know, you can increase the value of the land tenfold, but you also have to do your homework in studying the ordinance, studying the comprehensive plan, so that you really see where the opportunities are to take a property and get it rezoned to a higher density use. And with the banks and the foreclosures and that kind of thing, 
there's some tremendous opportunities to reposition these assets by going through the zoning process. I mean, even in good markets, you've seen people double and triple the value of these properties, right? For yeah. dollar for dollar exposed, uh, you make more money with the zoning than you do at any other time during the development process. And that's why we're doing a show on zoning for dollars. Well, Seth, Doug, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you sharing your insight with us. Great. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. If you'd like more information on zoning and land issues, the contact information for everyone on the show today is available for you at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, I have a question for you as a listener. Can you join us next week? Well, I hope so. We'll get an inside look at commercial lease issues. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. I'm Michael Bull. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com. And Arnold Golden Gregory, a law firm that makes a difference. Visit agg.com. And by France Media, providing exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com. And by Resnick Group, a top 20 national accounting firm focused on real estate. Visit resnickgroup.com.